Here we go, here we go. Welcome to Police Pod Talk. Whoop, whoop, it's the police. Don't look in your rearview mirror. This podcast covers the latest police news along with hitting the hot topics you've been talking about all week. I'm your host, Cleveland. Thank you for joining us. Hey folks, welcome back again to Police Pod Talk. Hopefully you had a wonderful weekend. Um, if your weekend was anything like mine, you probably got covered with some snow and it's freezing cold out there. That is not my thing, but uh, some people enjoy that. But uh, we do appreciate you always listening in. Today, I've got a special guest with me, someone I've known a long time and it's always fun to reminisce with him. But I've got a former uh, Fort Wayne police officer by the name of Matt Lewis. He and I go way back. And today, we're going to spend a little time. Matt, you can say hello to the listeners out there. Hello, people. Glad you're listening to us. Hope you're well. <laughs> okay. Matt's been on before, but uh, this is the first time we get to actually sit down and have a conversation that we've done a lot. But we figured we may as well talk to you while we're talking to one another. And we're going to talk a little bit about our, our time on the police department, the things we saw and did, and uh, probably the things that uh, we'll pass on to anyone who ever wants to be a police officer. So... I'm going to kind of almost turn it over to Matt. Matt, uh, again, let the people know uh, all the years you've been on, the different uh, divisions you worked in, So, because they kind of know me, I believe. <clears throat> Go right ahead. Uh, I had done 25 years with the police department. The first 10, I was in the uniform division. And uh, uh, while I was there, I was uh, a negotiator for a little bit of time, and then uh, I was on the SWAT team for a while. And uh, I enjoyed that. You know, we all like that when we're young and strong and uh, uh, <laughs> bench pressing 5,000 pounds, you know. Yeah, yeah. don't need a jack for that. <laughs> and uh, uh, then in 1999-2000, uh, I, uh, at the end of that start of, I went up into the detective bureau, and I did 15 years up there. And it came at a good time. We all have uh, periods of time that we need a breath of fresh air or change or something like that. And the DB was just that. It was just a really good uh, uh, new environment, a learning environment, and opened up new possibilities. And so within that, uh, you know, I worked in property crimes for a good portion of it, but I was uh, on the, I got back on the hostage negotiation team. I did that. Had a lot of advanced training in interrogation, interviewing, went through certified uh voice stress analysis, the computer uh, voice stressing system, did that for a number of years, and uh, just kept trying to learn new areas of expertise up in the detective bureau. And then after I had become comfortable and felt like I somewhat knew what I was doing, I tried to uh, find people that maybe we made a good mentor-mentee relationship, and we would both have a good time being better uh, detectives, police officers, and people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you remember we, we talk about this a lot but do you remember when we first met <laughs> yeah yeah i do <laughs> i i guess left out that uh i was a reserve officer for uh oh uh, two or three years before i went uh full-time regular and uh yeah we're down there at uh three rivers festival at the end of it the fireworks are going and we just uh, uh you know it's one of those moments that you don't forget but it was a good learning time that you know, you can't take yourself for the job too serious. We're laughing and having a great time. And yeah. uh, uh, when other people, you see them down there, they're mad or, you know, these stupid people, I can't believe them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And see, that's kind of 
what I wanted to talk about today. When we first got on, can you think back on some of the things, I guess, they did not tell you about when you're a policeman. You come on, they never told you this, and next thing you know, it was there. Things were happening. You had no clue, and you never were trained about it or told about it. I mean, that, that's a huge question, but try to pinpoint a few things that you remember that you wish you were told. You know, uh, at the time, and thank goodness, excuse me, I'm my throat. Um, at the time, and, and I'm, I'm not pointing fingers at any trainers because that's just how it was at the time, but, you know, we'd be down uh, being certified for firearms, and uh, this particular range master, it was kind of like draw your weapon, and it was just bullseye shooting, and then he wanted us to holster our weapon, you know, really kind of as quickly as you could. And no one knew at the time. Uh, muscle memory and so forth. So basically, we're being trained in a firefight. We're going to draw our weapon, pop a couple shots, and then holster our weapon. And and it was always just bullseye training. And so then you're out in the real world, and you're like, so is this going to be a shoot? Don't shoot. I mean, how do I know if I should be, you know, drawing my weapon and shooting here? And and you know, you would try and ask around, or you might ask command. And you're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I, for me, I don't think they told us that you're supposed to have fun on the job, if that makes sense to you. I, it was always, everything had to be serious. I mean, you had to be everything properly dressed, which there's nothing wrong with that, but there, no one said, have fun while you're doing this. Enjoy what it is you're supposed to be doing. Everything was grab as many people and lock them up as you can, treat them as crappy as you can. And move on and brag about how many arrests you made. Generate numbers. Yeah. I mean, there was no fun in any of that. Um, And I believe that was where a lot of the stress came in. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until later that I realized, hey, you can actually enjoy this. Have a good time. Make people happy. And I didn't know you were supposed to make people happy. You know? (laughs) I thought you just after the bad guy. So to me, that was the big thing is uh, no one told me to have fun. It's true. You know, one of the best examples I can think of, uh, I was newer, and uh, we were in a a downtrodden neighborhood, and there was some kind of a drug arrest or something going on, and there's this uh, older woman in her home looking out her door, and she's kind of watching what's going on, and of course, you know, the training was, you know, hey, you need to, you can't, you know. (laughs) Yeah. But there was an officer that, uh, I don't know, he had a couple rocks, a crack or something, and he walks up. And he talks to her, and he shows it to her, and here's what we're doing. And she thought it was great. And I'm like, duh. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just that easy. And, yeah. and, you know, this particular officer was doing community policing before it was really a formal thing. And he was doing community the policing the way it should be. Someone hadn't forced him or trained him or taught him. Mm-hmm. He just did it. Hmm. And so I kind of carried that with me that, uh, you know, they're humans too. You have to have fun, but you have to also, you know, be able to relate with people. And I was so much better at it toward the end of my career. Yeah. It's like, man, I wish I would have done this, been able to do this a long time ago. Yeah, but it's like I said, no one ever taught you or told you, hey. Well, you're afraid to because in the academy, you know, you laugh, you do push-ups. Yeah. (laughs) I guess I never thought about that. (laughs) You know, there's nothing funny in the academy. Don't don't go out on your own because you'll be running laps and doing push-ups. I, I like I said, I never, I never guess I never thought of that one. That's that's true, and it, it took years before you thought the only fun you were supposed to have was with the other officers. But you could relax. There were points 
where you could actually relax and enjoy the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, not everybody was out there to kill you, which is what they told us in the academy, that everybody's got a gun and everyone's going to kill you on every traffic stop. You didn't let your guard down, but you knew how to read the situation where you could back up just a little bit. You don't have to be at a full 10. You could go down to a 5 and still get done what you need to get done. And, I mean, it took a while. And I don't know, maybe that's something that we're, like I said, I think I went on with a with an afro. And about halfway through, <laughs> most of it falling off on my pillow <laughs> because of stress. <laughs> so I think that to me is like, wow. Um, and like I said, it wasn't toward the end when you're in the DB, and that's the Detective Bureau, uh, where you yucking it up having a good time. Uh, you were mentioning that to me earlier about how one group up in the detective bureau was always laughing and having a good time, and everybody else had their nose to the grindstone. They were just plodding along like <laughs> workhorses, you know. <laughs> yeah. Meantime, the thoroughbred's over here. <laughs> They're just laughing and just roaring. But, yeah. yeah, I think anybody, we see a lot of young officers today, and tell me, Matt, when you think of you – on the department and you see young officers today or police officers today what image comes to mind what's the first thoughts that come to your mind i have to think about this for a moment because i want to phrase it properly because people can be notorious for you know you say something and then they choose to interpret it their way or whatever Mm -hmm. Uh, i see a lot of uh, people that truly care about what they're doing but they're there is a different expectation of performance. You know, they just appear to be very stiff and very serious. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think part of the problem is they're understaffed. And so I don't really have time to hang out. You know, I've got to get on to the next call because, mm-hmm. you know, while we're talking on the radio, any squad that can clear, any unit we have, you know, mm-hmm. blah, and they'll read a litany. And so there's not necessarily time for that. And I think in uh, t- today's world of communications and electronics and all that uh, i think there's less face-to-face even with each other that they do because they can communicate you know through uh messaging within the computers and their cars and all of that Mm -hmm. and you know there's nothing wrong with that but i remember back in the day we talked about this recently you and me that used to be you'd meet with your sergeant somewhere during the shift and you'd hand him your paperwork and you know he'd read through your reports and talk to you about them and maybe have a suggestion that you need this or you need that whatever but you know you just had a moment out and you're with your supervisor and you're just talking and and you know they started getting away from that now it's all direct entry stuff there's less interaction encouraged on the other hand there's a lot of people you don't necessarily want to interact with <laughs> oh wait no wait and that means they should have never been there to begin with well okay uh, yeah, <laughs> so if, if it's gotten to that point they probably never should have been on the job yeah. uh, i still think even with the direct entry everything's on the computer there still should be time when the uh, sergeant meets mm-hmm. and sits down with their people i mean just window to window um just to see how they're doing yeah yeah. You know, and the way it's done now, you can easily read a report. I mean, you can see it as soon as it's entered in the system. But, yeah, I mean, we were meeting with our sergeants all the time. They do the vehicle inspections yeah. right there, and, and you drive on off. But we were always calling them. I remember my first couple of years, I mean, every time I got down with something, I called a sergeant <laughs> just to make sure I was right, you know. 
Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, uh, and you have to be that way to start with. But then I had sergeants, uh, you know, they tell me later on, it's like, you know, I was kind of wor- worried when you'd call me because I knew it was going to be something. That was, yeah. And, yeah. But, you know, that's good. You want to you want to eventually be that way. But the key is when you're new and you don't know what you're doing, that you're comfortable getting hold of a supervisor to sort through it and not have somebody go, well, if you don't know how to do it, you shouldn't be... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why you find yeah. the right sergeant, exactly. even if it's not yours. Yeah, it's not your immediate supervisor. <laughs> yeah. You find somebody to help you out. If if uh, you were talking to a young person sitting here, and they say, hey, uh, Matt, I, I really want to get on the police department. Uh, wh- what should I do? What are the things I should do? Well, let, let me stop first, because they're really begging for people to get on the departments everywhere. Have <laughs> and, you seen and, it? The, and that's a problem. Wow. I mean. It used to be the Fort Wayne Police Department, to get when they'd have job openings, they'd get like 700, 1,000 applications. Yeah. Indiana State Police, they would get hundreds and hundreds, and, and it's down to like 100 or 200 applications. Right. And, you know, the concern that you and I have as retirees is that, you know, we realize somebody's got to, they got to put people in those seats. And so you run the risk of hiring people that they'll, well, you know, we'll just have to use human resources to, you know, eventually get them out. You're taking a lesser candidate. And so if you're interested in becoming a police officer, I think it's not just the education. You know, you have to, you have to show other influences or things that you're doing. And, you know, you might be involved with, you know, the Boy Scouts of America, or you might be a coach, you might be doing coaching. You know, it's like you're bringing something else to the department that makes you stand out a little bit more from, you know, other people, I guess. And, you know, the big thing is to just have a desire to uh, show up with an open mind and an open heart and learn and go through um, things that you'll be exposed to in the academy, knowing that, you know, when I get out there, I can then set my own course within parameters and mm-hmm. policy and all that, of course. But mm-hmm. what about a second language? What, uh, what language would you think they would really need now? Well, they have to have English, but. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you just took that one right from me. <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, your, your major languages, like Spanish, I think is very important because we've got a very large Hispanic population in Fort Wayne. Uh, we've got a big Burmese population, and I've, there's at least one Burmese officer on the department, and they were mm-hmm. offering training any officer that was interested in learning Burmese to do it. Uh, so I think that languages that uh, are common in Fort Wayne would be a useful thing. And, uh, you know, that would give you, I don't know if it would give you an edge up, but it would certainly, you know, go in your direction. Well, it make them look at you twice instead of passing over on you. Yeah. I think when in your career, Matt, did you all of a sudden have a change I mean, well, let me let me back up and, and ask a question a little bit different. Remember I talked about the things they did not tell you when you first got on the job. Did your family and friends all of a sudden notice something different about you when you finally became a police officer? Did anything change and you didn't realize it changed in you? And someone in your family or your spouse had to tell you, hey, look. <laughs> you know, initially, no. And, and I think part of it, when I came on, uh, I was 28 or 9, somewhere in there, you know, and I'd done a couple years as a reserve officer because I had a good job uh, prior to coming to the Fort Wayne Police. And it's like, all right, I want to, you know, before I leave this, I want to make sure this is something that 
that I can deal with. And I guess, you know, going back a question, talking about new officers thinking about it, it's like, you know, alcoholism is a problem within our organization. Uh, divorce usually is a result of the alcoholism uh, is, you know, so you have to think about those things. You know, when you take this job and hold up your right hand, you know, those are things you have to think about. Am I going to be able to keep that aspect under control? Uh, for me, I actually had a number of years on and I was starting to get burned out and and I wasn't doing anything about it. So, of course, then, you know, you've got that, you know, like, oh, man, we don't really want to be around him because he's one of, he's not real pleasant. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I've had different people tell me, oh, man, you're, you're just burned out to a crisp. And, uh, you know, so it's like, all right, I better stop and think about this because, you know, if you're today ends tomorrow, is this how you want your memory of you to be hmm. is that person. And it's like, uh-uh. Hmm. So it was somebody on the department that kind of saw the guy start seeing you change a little? Um, yeah, some on the department and uh, uh, some of the family, maybe a little bit. But, you know, I really uh, worked hard. I, I saw some training one time uh, with an Olympic athlete, and she was dealing with uh, uh, fear and nerves or whatever, and, and she was taught to visualize before she would go on to the skating rink. She would take all her her um, fears, her anxiety, whatever, and she would touch a wall next to the rink and leave it there and go out and perform. Hmm. Uh, that's kind of cool. So I looked at it like a light switch. You know, when I go to work, I flip the light switch on, and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, when I'm, uh, uh, before we had to take home cars, you know, you drop the car off, turn your gear in. Right turn the light switch off, take off the uniform, and hmm. and not, when I say try not to think about it, it's not a matter of being in denial about it, but it's like, day is done, what's done is done, you know, let's let's go into our personal life now hmm. and not let it carry over. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, you know, you put the uniform back on, it's a fresh day, and you go flip the light switch on and do it all over again. Wow. And you did that for 25 years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you came yeah. out okay, you think? Well... <laughs> I haven't had any involuntary commitments or anything, you know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. People knocking at the door with a butterfly net. <laughs> but overall, I mean, I, I think that what I'm seeing is with the young officer, when I ask you with the same question, I don't see the true commitment. I think when we were going through the academy and we may say, hey, it was totally different. They, they had a standing at attention, doing push-ups. I mean – I felt that there was some pride in that. And I looked at all the older officers in front of me, and it's like I don't want to embarrass any of them Mm -hmm. because they've already gone before me. And I know there's going to be some coming beside me, and I knew the people in my class. And we wanted to be the best that we possibly could be. And going 20 years, you wanted everybody to make that 20 years. Mm -hmm. And you were proud to be part of something bigger than yourself. And you never thought about really leaving because everything was committed to this thing that you worked so hard to get. And I'm not slamming anybody I know out there, or someone listening going, well, he's talking about me. Well, if I am talking about you, so be it. But anyway, <laughs> I don't see it where they take the pride in it. They take the, the, the satisfaction of going through the academy and almost like paying someone back. It's like I owe you for all this hard work for the discipline you made me instilled in me and I'm going to give it everything I got for as many years as I possibly can and I'm trying my darndest not to embarrass the department 
Do you do things that will probably do? Yeah, but if you have good supervising people, they can walk you through and talk you through a whole lot of things. But where is the pride in what it is you're doing? Where is the satisfaction of helping others? And that's what they said we raised our hand to do. But it just seems like it's about, no, I want the best uniform. I want the best car. I want the best equipment. And and don't bother me while I'm wearing all my good-looking stuff and getting my discount. (laughs) I I may be going on a soapbox there, but that's just a thing that I see. Where is the pride in what it is you do? I I, I don't know. That's me. I'm not really sure how to respond to no, that. No, exactly. you don't. You just let it go. Because. Well, no, no, because I, I think some of it's also within a department. And this is a, a something that helped me. And you actually said this to me. Uh, you had gone to some training, and uh, you came back, and and you were all uh, fired up about you know what you'd been to. But one of the things that they talked about was you can love your job, but you have to realize your job cannot love you back. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we were talking about that one day, yeah. and, and it's like that it kind of brings things into a sharp focus. However, a job still has a responsibility to inspire, you know, their people. And, and you know, it's kind of a two-way street. And in, in today's world of policing, there, there's so many rules and regulations. And uh, I... I no, wait, wait, see, I'm going to stop you right there. There's no more rules yeah, there than, is. What we, than what books. We, books and books of them. Okay, but wait a minute. There's no more rules than what we had than they have today. Everything is really the same. Uh, I think there's what? more scrutiny. I think there's a lot okay. more. But that's uh, not a rule. That's not a rule. Okay, I'll, all right. Okay, oh my God. so <laughs> if you said here is the uh, policies and procedures. <laughs> I'm making no. the cut signals. <laughs> <laughs> the policies and procedures of 19-whatever to now, they're probably about the same. There's not too much more you can do back then that they can do today and get away with. Yeah, I'll give you that. So everything's really to, is the same. I think there's more of a fear that you're going to mess up because – there's someone there with a camera, or mm-hmm. I got to wear a camera, or there's a camera in my car. Yeah. When they first started talking about that years ago, people were, I'm not putting one in my car. I don't want a camera. I said, what will you be doing that you don't want to get caught doing? I mean, uh, what? We don't want to talk uh, about they're that. Gonna, they're <laughs> going to look at it, and they're going to say that I did something wrong. If you're doing your best to do it right, I don't care what camera's on you. Yeah. I mean... Could I go back in my mind and say, well, I'm glad they didn't have a camera when I did this. That means I was probably doing something wrong. <laughs> okay. So I didn't mean to jump on you, but when you say more rules, I'm like, and no, no, I'm not buying that. Sorry. There. Go on. I'm going to have to think about that for a while. We may come back to that. Yeah, we're going to have to because I think every <laughs> we're about out of time. Here's the thing. But police work is police work. Mm-hmm. When you get in your car and you go to serve the public, okay, when you're out there meeting and greeting people, driving around being seen i mean you're 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 being seen so that you prevent some crimes from happening or you you push them away to a whole another neighborhood or a different district and you hope it happens somewhere else but that is part of what you're supposed to be doing that is no different than if you were walking a beat long time ago mm-hmm. okay are you riding in two man cars or whatever everything is the same the calls are the same there's not anything different you can't look on the news and go well things are just out of control the police have to deal with more no they don't we had crazy people back then okay <laughs> yeah we did okay we had to take i remember ruth ann sprunger got her door knocked on a lot of times late in night. the morning yeah <laughs> dropping off paperwork <laughs> because of somebody crazy you had to 
There's nothing any different. Did policemen get shot at back then? Sure they did. Did they get foot pursuits back then? Sure they did. They got into them today. Everything's the same. So when you really look at it, it's the individual. And we're talking about the organization. Don't love the organization, but it can't love you back. Within that organization, there's individuals who are put in positions of supervision mm-hmm. who should be making it understandable as what your job is. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was saying. Okay. <laughs> I was. We were going in there. You, well, you, did, I, did I interrupt you? You me? did, yeah. Okay, well, I can stop now. No, okay. go ahead. You're I on a good, okay, you're because, on a good <laughs> because you know that's not where you were going. <laughs> it's the individuals who are your leaders. If they're not good leaders, then you're not going to turn out to be a good patrolman unless you're reading a bunch of books on your own, looking to take that sergeant exam on your own, and saying, I'm going to do better than the guy that was in front of me. What tends to happen is you end up copying that supervisor, how they treated you. You end up treating the people who are below you when you become that supervisor. If you didn't do anything to better yourself. Boy, <laughs> I'm taking a towel, wiping my forehead right now. Open up a door, get some oxygen no. in here. And, and, and I'm not sitting here saying that I was the, the, the perfect police officer or the perfect patrolman or the perfect detective. I'm not. But when I have gone through all of this, and if we, you and I sitting here with 50 plus years of experience, more than 55 years of experience sitting here, if we never share this, if we never talk about it openly, if we don't let young officers know what you're running into why you're maybe miserable why you feel down and, and and then we've done a disservice to them why would we share the little bit of knowledge that we have what if they're not interested in it well then they're going to have a long hard career and that's mm-hmm. where you start to see they don't do the 20 you'll see somebody quit after 17 years ago man you could have finished and got a bench well, i couldn't take it anymore what do you mean you couldn't take it anymore you know that it, yeah. And I'm going to ask you this. When you run into people and they go, well, I did 10 years on the such and such police department, the first thought in my mind is, why did you do the other 10? What did you do? <laughs> I mean, that is my thought. <laughs> what did you do that you couldn't finish 10 more? <laughs> or where are you working at now? Well, I'm the manager at such and such. Oh, okay. And I ask the next question, do you wish you ever had finished those 10? Well, yeah, but that one supervisor didn't like me. Okay. There's a guy. I'm going to say a name. Don Stedge. You remember Don Stedge? Well, he's still around. I just saw him. He had a birthday last Sunday. Yeah, and sure I went did. up to him. And he, he told me. Yeah, he said, 81, I think. He said he's loving those pension checks. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I'm sticking around as long as I can. But I remember he said to me one time, he said, you did not take this job to be liked. And then he walked away. <laughs> he also like disappeared on me. <laughs> I was like, I thought I was talking to someone. Was this kind of like in Star Wars where old Ben Kenobi comes back? and He, he was wearing a cape. <laughs> so with a hood on. I don't know what that was all about. But he said to me, you did not take this job to be liked. And, it, and I, I had to think, okay, what he's telling me is I don't have to get the approval of everybody else to do what's right. Do the right thing. And if I was doing the right thing and they didn't like me for it, another patrolman or a sergeant, they, but it's the right thing to do. As hard as that is, it is the right thing to do. And he, he did. He said, you didn't take this job to be liked. And I thought, okay. And from that day on, after he drifted away, I don't even think he was walking. He's kind of floating away. <laughs> I said, okay, I got to change my attitude. Because I was going after every every wrong thing on the job. And... 
that did that, that was a big change in my mm-hmm. life right there sure. i didn't mean to get on my soapbox there because you were giving me folks he was giving me the cut signal because <laughs> you see the, i was just a short in the system here <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow i just i mean when i say give advice to a young person matt i i want you to give advice i mean don't sugarcoat it i mean give the good the bad i mean that's what my brother said he said when we talk about history you give all the history give the good and the bad about history so we have a history on the police department. What made you good? What made you a great detective? And you were, and you talked to people. You got confessions out of people. You got people to talk that people said couldn't or wouldn't talk to you. How did you do that? People want to know, man. They want to know why did you lock them up? <laughs> I bet somebody in jail right now listening. That, that, Matt, that got me. I don't like him. <laughs> but he was my friend. They yeah. put me in prison. But what was it? I mean, come on. It had to be something. Somewhere something clicked. Uh, I think uh, part of it's what you were talking about, where you have personal pride. And uh, it wasn't a matter of uh, that I wanted to be better than everybody else. I just wanted to be the best me. And uh, so as time went on, because when I first went up to the DB, it was kind of like, all right, you're a detective, go detect. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay. And, uh, you know, there really wasn't a lot of uh, formulation on how to do it, you know, and as we said, you'd send a case over to the prosecutor's office and it get declined based on merits. You'd be like, I'm a failure. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you could take that attitude or you could be like, you know what? I got to figure out what's going on here, make myself better. So I'd call the prosecutor up and say, hey, I'm not going to scream and yell. I just, can we meet so I can understand what I'm doing wrong here so I can get better? And then uh, uh, when I had free time, I'd pull out criminal code, read criminal code, not really memorize it, but just familiarize myself mm-hmm. with criminal code. Uh, as I became experienced in other areas with advanced training, like the, the voice stress, you know, if I had free time, I'd pull the manual out and I'd just start rereading it and just refreshing myself and uh, trying to get better and better. And it was all just uh, in part driving the, the end of my career. I wanted to be able to look in the mirror and go, I didn't put somebody in prison that shouldn't be in prison because, you know, I was making a case work doing air quotations (laughs) yeah yeah and so it was just personal pride and so i guess my advice is uh and i don't like using really the word pride but you know you have to to think about what's best for you and how you can be the best version of you and not like we were talking before we started recording this running with idiots because it's it's easy to run with the bad crowd and hard to stand on your own like you were talking about yeah, just doing. And the whole time you've been talking, you were talking about the the things that you did for yourself. Mm-hmm. The classes or the, the training you picked up a book or went to a school and learned for yourself. Mm-hmm. And it was for you to help the public. Mm-hmm. It's for you to be the best for the public. It wasn't for you to try to outdo another mm-hmm. detective or another officer. It was for you to be the best. And I, I believe there, again, that's a total different mindset. I mean, hey... You said if you do a case or you make an arrest, you send it to the prosecutor's office, you let them determine whether or not it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. But you did your best. And if they decided not to take it, you took that next step to figure out why. But if they took it, you didn't run over there and, and want a pat on the back. Where's my gold star? I yeah. need to, you know, what <laughs> kind of attention on that. Yeah. <clears throat> and, I'll, and I'll tell you, it was a bigger picture for me, and it and it took a while to get there, but my plan was – I'm going to try and become a mentor someday 
so that when uh, new detectives come in and there are people that really want to be there, they're not coming up there to hide, but they're coming, they really want to, you know, they really want to do it, that I wanted to be that person that I didn't have when I started. I had to become the person uh, that I couldn't find when I first started in the detective bureau. So mm-hmm. I had to train myself up, if right. you will. Right. And I certainly didn't do it by myself. I mean, I did it through going to schools and training and this and that and the other. But I made a conscious choice. To, to get better. To, to get better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what do you see as one of the biggest problems today with the police departments? Or is there any problems? Uh, I'm, I'm sure there's problems, you know, and I, I, uh, I have to be honest, I don't look that close. It's now that I'm retired, you know, I'm kind of off in my next adventure in life. And so, <laughs> I, I, you know, uh, I'm not focused on it. I mean, I'd certainly like to see more concern about rogue officers and uh, an unspoken chain of command. You know, we can see incidents that happened in 2021 that were just what you talked about. People wanted to be liked, and so they stood around and, and were afraid to break an informal chain of command, and then people either died or were seriously injured as a result of it. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, so when you say that's a problem, do you think that's something that starts when you're in the academy? They teach you to respect your command, respect senior officers, and follow their lead. Do you think that's part of it too? I think it plays into it. I mean, I understand that you know we're quasi-military organization, and so there is a chain of command, and it's beaten into your head that you know you don't jump links in the chain of command when you do things, and uh, you know when you come out of the academy, you really don't know anything i mean other than what the academy taught you so mm-hmm. you're with a you know field training officer and you're like well i'm just gonna i got two ears and one mouth for a reason so mm-hmm. yeah. you know and because uh, you can think of times where newer people were were having an opinion and the old mm-hmm. school coppers would be like hey you know you can't do that yeah oh yeah i remember those days <laughs> <laughs> yeah before we before we kind of wrap this up because he People are going to be sending me mean emails because that was too rough. But hey, I'm just being honest when I come to this because I, I think uh, 20, 23, 25 years on the police department and you come out, you make it out, you should share what you went through so that others don't go through the same thing and giving them the heads up. But Matt, what was the most satisfying thing if you can remember? I know there's probably a bunch, but give me one good story that you really remember that you say that is why I did this hmm you know I think that uh, one that sticks into mind it was uh, uh, when I was in the uh, uh, crisis negotiation team and uh, I was the backup had a different guy who was uh, the main negotiator I was coach and uh, uh, we'd been negotiating with this fellow for a while he had uh, strangled his uh, his wife or girlfriend, I can't remember which it was. He'd choked her out and uh, collapsed her trachea, and he had uh, some experience in medical stuff, and he was able to actually open her trachea back up. But he wasn't coming out and so forth, but there was at least one kid in the house still, and the uh, SWAT team uh, trusted us enough. They said, you keep him distracted, 
and we're sending a group in the back door, and we're going to grab that kid, and we're going to get back out. And I think he had even released the girl so that she could go get medical treatment. So uh, they trusted us so much, and, you know, they're the ones that are going to take the bullet. So it's like, you know, we're doing our best to keep this guy distracted, and they get in, grab this kid, and get him out the back door. And, you know, we went back to just negotiating with this guy. So it was a triumph of uh, inner team work and trust and and uh, uh, getting this young person out of the house. So, you know, it was one of those I felt pretty good about that as a team, teams, it really worked out well together. Mm-hmm. You have those. So young people listening, young people thinking about wanting to do this job, we kind of hit on it. It's not what you see on TV. I mean, you're not going to get to the high-speed chases. Will they be happening? Yes. But they're so far few in between. You're not going to be hanging out the side of the car, shooting tires out and things like that, and then no paperwork after that. But I think you're going to be doing more of helping. It's the constant helping people. And the older we get, the more older people there are, the more you're going to be directing them on, hey, I need to get you into a, a nursing facility. I need to get a doctor here. I need to get a, the, the medics here to check on you. Dealing with them, talking to them, listening to them, giving them your full undivided attention is what you're going to be doing more of. When you meet and greet people, you're working on your interviewing and listening skills because you're going to use those again when the, when the real stuff hits that you got to be prepared for. But I loved every bit of it. I loved every everything about it. It was so much fun. Um, I learned how to have fun. It took me a while to understand that in the midst of all this craziness, there is some fun. I mean, not the fun that you laugh about <laughs> when people see you laughing at the wrong time, but it was fun. It was fun helping people, and I, I think that's what I enjoyed the most about it. When you come out of there and somebody will say, hey, thank you, the simple thing of unlocking someone's car door for them without having to break the window out because <laughs> the first thought is just throw that red brick through there. <laughs> <laughs> but you do it in a way that you save them the money and the time, but and they were thankful for it. So, But if you're going into it looking for pats on the back, you're going in the wrong profession. I mean, if they wanted that, then you better be a fireman. <laughs> I tell my brother that all the time. My brother was a fireman. That's all they did. Got pats on the back. <laughs> but no. So, no. Um, Matt, 25 years, man. And you look back at it and you go, did it go fast? No. Oh, no. geez, yours is terrible, no, man. It's, no, no, it's not bad. It just didn't go fast. It, you know, it's not that at all. It just, you know, it, 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 it's not that at all. It wasn't a bad thing. No, I, mine went by fast. I, I was constantly on the move, going from different areas of working. Because you went, you went from the road to the detective bureau, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, no stops in between and jumping around. Yeah, I went to several different areas. And wait a minute, you was on the SWAT team. Remember? Hut, yeah. hut, hut. W- yeah. Were you were you a patrolman while you were on the SWAT team? Yes. Okay. If you, you were listening to me at the start of the wow, <laughs> wow, <laughs> did you did you rappel down off the buildings? Oh man, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'd go down to Atterbury and we had that helicopter that uh, was on the rappel tower. You're rappelling off the helicopter. Yeah. And it's like okay, <laughs> that that was fun. I enjoyed that. See? But then the guys wanted to do uh, what they call Australian style, where put your harness on backwards and you go down yeah, face first yeah. it's like nah I, I don't have that in me <laughs> now since you were on with all those years on did you ever get a chance to do that live <laughs> rappel down <laughs> off the building no uh, believe it or not no okay i thought maybe in the detective bureau you guys uh, did that <laughs> coming out for lunch <laughs> oh man okay folks 
again, we're just, just the two of us sitting here talking and yucking it up about all those years and what we saw, the different changes and everything. But it, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm still say it is the same. It's the same job. It is. And it's what you make of it. And it's how you treat, choose to treat people. So I'm not going to get back up on that soapbox. I'll kick it away. <laughs> we'll go from there. Matt, thank you very much for taking a few minutes out of your busy day. You're welcome, sir. Being retired. <laughs> deciding what you're going to do today. Doing for me instead of the system. It's wonderful. <laughs> Folks, we really appreciate you listening to Police Pod Talk, and we hope that you catch us again next week. You know how to get in touch with us. Thanks again for hanging out with us. Remember, you can always go to policepodtalk at gmail.com. Or check us out on Facebook at Cleveland Junior or Police Pod Talk. Thanks again. We'll see you next week.